Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Week 7 Recap, Week 6 Recap of the Dighton Dynasty Podcast. This week, you have the two bottom feeders from Week 7. You have myself and Jake Texera. What's up, Jake? What's up? It was a absolutely poopy week, but <laughs> the boys are back on this fine... I don't even know what day it is. When you nice lo- little Tuesday night. When you lose in fantasy, it just feels like everything just slows down and stops. And you had a bad week, and you were like, all right, well, Strasic's having a bad week, Strasic's having a bad week, and then Kamara says, yeah, no, it's okay. I'll, I'll pick up the steam for us. Yeah, I knew this week was going to be a struggle. Um, and week seven, watching the Saints versus the Seahawks was probably one of the ugliest Monday night football games I think I've ever witnessed. And on top of that, just watching Kamara just – go for 180 yards and a touchdown and watch Geno Smith complete uh, 12 passes and only target Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf a combined eight times and watch Alex Collins just run straight into the offensive line like <laughs> 25 times and like, I don't know. It's Be- just... Between him and Kamara, there wasn't many rushing yards. Kamara, <laughs> Kamara I think, had like 20 rushes for... 51. For Yeah, 20 for 51, which is terrible when you look at what he can normally do, because he's one of those guys that can put up those huge, huge weeks really quick. And then on the other side, Alex Collins was 16 for 35. Oh my that's, God. That's terrible. Now, if you're Pete Carroll and you're the Seahawks and you know, you're down, like you don't have your boy, Russell Wilson, and you're looking at your offense, wouldn't you want to get the ball to your two playmakers? Well, I think the first play of the game worked out real well for him. Yeah. So DK Metcalf up the sideline, 83 yard touchdown. And then after that, after that touchdown, DK got two more targets, one catch for like 12 yards. And that was it. Like, I don't know. I just don't understand these coaches. I don't understand. Yeah. Gino's not the guy. There was some real bad weather there, too. But yeah, neither team really cared about winning that game. That's one that both teams should get a tie. Like, no, that should just be a no contest, one of those. Yeah, but I don't know. We're on. We're on to Jabers this week, so <laughs> we're on to Cincinnati. We're on yeah, to Cincinnati. couple couple big upsets this week. A couple how they should happen. So it was uh interesting to see. So we're gonna give a little bit of the week six recap because we did miss you all last week. So we're gonna fly through that because we did have a big trade last week, and then we had a big trade going into this week. So we can talk about a couple trades. We have a new team name. And uh, I'm not sure if you have any injuries to really go over from the last couple of weeks, Tex. Anything uh, um, anything big on the horizon? I think the biggest thing, I don't know if we really chatted about it, but McCaffrey missing another three weeks. So, like like I talked about, guys that have soft tissue injuries, hamstrings, quad injuries, calf muscles, like if, if you rush them back too early, there's risk of re-injury, and that's kind of what happened, it sounds like. McCaffrey was like spotted at practice, doing drills on the side, and then – Randomly, we got that notification back on the IR another three weeks. So it's a big blow to Strazik. He also lost Kittle, um, which didn't seem like a major injury, but held him out a couple weeks. Waller missed this week with an ankle injury. He popped up on the report Sunday morning, quote, saying his ankle didn't feel right. Uh, maybe explains the poor the poor games that he's put out the past couple. So maybe he's sure bad so. on an injury. I hope so, yeah. yeah. but. But um, besides that, I don't think anything major. We have we have COVID. COVID's still a thing. So Devonte Adams and Alan Lazard oh. are missing on Thursday, which um, kind of sucks because those are just, obviously Devonte Adams is Devonte Adams. But Lazard, I don't know. He's been kind of on the waivers for a long time. Of course, the week that Shrazik picks him up, throws him in the lineup, he 
he, he produces for him. So good for Strazik with that pickup, but Packers are going to be without Devonte and Lazard because, you know, COVID still a thing. Yeah, if it was a Sunday game, Devonte Adams would probably be back because he only has to have two negative tests in a row because he is vaccinated. Lazard, who is unvaccinated, had no chance to come back no matter what. I love so, this, Remy. You have the vaccination status of the players? Hey, oh, yeah. Hey, you you got to know. You got to know who you should be picking up and who you shouldn't. Wow. So, yeah, Adams, Adams is pretty much no shot to come back, which kind of sucks. Um, being the biggest Thursday night game probably of the season – this was the number, top two teams in the NFC. You got the Cardinals, you got the Packers, a game that I was going to be watching very closely. Still will be, but just yeah. going to hurt the Packers. Aaron Rodgers will still have fun slinging the ball around, though. For sure. And I think this is a just, I don't know, who steps up on the Packers' offense? Like, to get more work, you expect A.J. Dillon to maybe get more work. But, like, at wide, who is it Randall Cobb? I know you threw him on the trade block. Oh, yeah. Half, I think that's, like, 80%, 85% of – it's a joke, but 15% chance he legit scores, like, 15 fantasy points on Thursday night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's going to score 15 fantasy points. And uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling is back off the IR or off something. I know this is his first week back, so you know he'll catch a 60-yard touchdown yeah, he'll where do... when a defender falls over. Exactly. He'll do his complete MVS thing. Every year he has, <laughs> like, two games where he goes for over 100 in a touchdown, and then the rest it's just third string wide out. Like you... And he gets picked up in every single league. Every single league, always. Even Lazard, uh, too, like – yeah. You, you always want those second and third wide receivers with Pack with Rogers, but even Tanyan, like there's just not enough volume to go around when Devonta Adams is getting everything else. So it's really they run the ball well. They have two good running backs, and Devonta Adams takes like 35 percent of target share. So there's just not enough love to make guys like Lazard, Tanyan, MVS worth it. But we'll see. Randall Cobb, it's his time to shine. Picks love and everything you just said about Devontae Adams besides this week. It's true. Real- it's weird to say not a Harris. Realistically. He's been a Harris guy forever. Yeah, like he's getting that that ridiculous target share that guys like Michael Thomas got that made him like one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in fantasy football. Like statistically from a point standpoint, when he just went off, it was because he was getting like 40% of targets. And Devontae Adams, he had that happen last year. Um, and he's just doing it again this year, which is just awesome. Yes. All right, let's get back into week six. So we did have the big trade. So coming off the podcast last week, we posted it in within an hour or a couple hours, a trade went through. So on the podcast, we were talking about all these trades that should happen. And the big one that we brought up was James Robinson should be off of LeBouillier's team. Pap makes the most sense. First round pick. We, we pretty much etched this one out and then it happened. So I, I did have to put a little point in the chat looked like someone listened to the pod and then they had to defend themselves so they've been going back and forth for a week or so on it but yeah james robinson goes to pap for a first round pick and labulier gets to uh keep that rebuild going yeah i mean james robinson like if I, like he realistically could be the best running back from that rookie class right like obviously like guys like jonathan taylor a little bit disappointing here and there like you're not getting the consistency DeAndre Swift, like people were concerned about the offense. He had the injury. He's finally putting out those numbers in the receiving game that are making him valuable. But like James Robinson has been slept on since the beginning. And the man is just so consistent. He's just, he's everything you want in a, a running back. I don't know. I just think like even a first round pick, like he, he's probably worth more. He's worth way more if ETN never gets drafted there, right? Like 23 years old, coming off of an awesome, fantastic PPR season. 
he's just he's just looking more like the dude. Um, obviously, it's going to be very interesting in a year from now when ETN steps foot in the field again and there's a highlight reel of him running a ladder drill or catching passes and, and everyone's going to be like, oh, James Robinson's worth nothing again. ETN's the man. But right now, James Robinson is locked and loaded as a awesome top 15, top 12 running back. And like, I don't, even in a, even in a year from now, like I don't think ETN is going to relegate this man to the bench. So it is just, he's just a good player. Yeah. He's playing really, really well. He's one of those people that proved a lot of people wrong. Then once ETN got drafted there, everybody's like, yep, he's useless. Yep. He's useless. And then the was able to get a first round pick for him. I don't know what it's going to, what it's going to look like next year. I don't know if ETN is going to come back from it. As of right now, it looks like, Pap won it, but from a year from now, Jim Robinson could be nothing. I have no clue. One guy's undrafted, one guy's a first-round pick. This is it makes li- it tough for GMs. Yeah, this is literally the perfect like fantasy like dichotomy where you have guys who are just good football players, right? Like like James Robinson, like a great football player. Like, he doesn't have the collegiate profile to back it up. But then you have a guy like Etienne who is well, like a four or five star recruit at a high school, it goes to one of the biggest football schools in the country, wins a national championship, like just has all the hype around him. And you just have a perfect example of like hype in collegiate profile and landing spot and draft capital versus just a good football player who is undrafted. Like it's just, it's like, I don't know, it's just like a perfect, perfect thing. It's like the, the Rashad Penny and Chris Carson, right? Rashad Penny, first round pick, had huge hype around him. Chris Carson, what, seventh round pick? beats him out week one of camp just like crazy like you can't make this stuff up coaches don't care elijah yeah. mitchell trey sermon another perfect exactly. example it just makes the coaches look even full more more silly when they make that pick right when they they have james robinson and then they go out and spend their first round pick on etn instead of like locking down the defense given get a new offensive lineman get a new free safety like i don't know it's just it's crazy like these players are so tantalizing to coaches and they just can't it's just like they just can't pass up that opportunity to draft that guy that has all the hype. But I don't know. Who knows what will happen? So for Pap, this is showing a true RB1 on his team now. Yep. It's a low on RB1, but it is a true RB1. And now he can put Patterson in the RB2 and let Patterson keep doing what he's doing. So he has, I think, officially created the starting lineup for himself. He has the quarterbacks and Hurts and Rodgers. He has James Robinson, has Patterson, has Evans, has Williams. His tight end, he has Pitts who's phenomenal. And Gusecki. And Gusecki, who's been very good. Gusecki, um, yeah. Pap's, the, Pap's literally yeah. running the double tight right now. Yeah, I think he, there was it was a tough bye week, so I'm not sure if he's going to be doing that every week because he does have a couple guys off the bench that can be doing some work. He saw his Debo. And, uh, but, yeah, he might be running the double tight. He might be taking your name from you. I know. I might have to change my name to the, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have anything witty right now. I'm just so sad. <laughs> All right, so looking back at week six, we had pretty low-scoring week for the most part. Um, I'll start from the bottom top. So, Pap got a win over Jabers, a nice little 93-75 to win. This was um, a little bit of con- – not controversy, but had to uh, deduct Pap 50% of his fab for starting Tyson Williams. Um, arguments back and forth from both ways, but I can tell you that Jabers filed, I think, eight – um, complaints against him. He did it before the match started, did it during the match. He just wanted to make sure that Pap was going to lose his points. But even with that, Pap still was able to put out the win from a huge week by Jalen Hurts and then another big one by Marvin Jones. Yeah, I mean, look at look at James Robinson, 17 points. Marvin yep. Jones, 19 points. Like, those are the Jaguars. Kind of funny. The team is 
not good, but they're giving you fantasy points. And J- and Pap even threw in Dawson Knox into that flex spot. So he ran the double tight in week six. Yeah. And Knox had that play, and then he got injured. So he's yeah. another guy who's on the on the interesting little train. Yep, for sure. Yeah, I mean. On, on Jaber's side, he got his first little taste of Waddle. So Waddle had 10 receptions for only 70 yards, but put up two touchdowns. So good week for him. Somebody he took in the first round. So, um he has a lot of young wide receivers that have some big potential. For sure. I think one guy we haven't talked much about at all is Chase Claypool. Like, literally, I don't think we've even mentioned his name once on the podcast. Um, he's wide receiver 48 right now in PPR. Like, not what people expected, especially with Juju being out. Um, it just looks like the offense runs through Najee and Deontay Johnson. So hopefully Claypool can can just get more consistency for the rest of the season. I mean, he's had games where he's boomed 21 points, 14 points, but two, zero, eight. I don't know. It's just, it's not good to see. And, and Higgins is just completely being overshadowed by, by Jamar Chase. So definitely not what you want to see out of uh, those young lineups. Jamar Chase has, is arguably the wide receiver one for dynasty right now. They yeah. might have the wide receiver one and the tight end one might both be rookies right now, which is wild to say. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's so many stats that we could just throw out with with those two guys, but like Kyle Pitts, he's on he's running like eighty percent of routes um routes per pass play. So eighty percent of the time it's a pass play, he's running a route, which is really good, and he's getting more than twenty five percent targets per target like targets per route so that's awesome so every, like a quarter of the time that Matt Ryan's dropping back he's targeting Kyle Pitts and the only tight ends to ever accomplish that in one season is Travis Kelsey in 2018 2020 Darren Waller in 2019 2020 Zach Ertz in 2018 and George Kittle in 2018 so you're looking at like obviously remove Zach Ertz but that's your that's exactly where you want Pitts to be projecting right now and he's a rookie Yep. And, <laughs> That's uh, crazy. Those, those guys put up those stats in their primes, in their fifth year, sixth year, when your Titans doing what they're supposed to be doing. Kyle Pitts is putting up these numbers in his rookie year with Calvin Ridley and with Corderell. And with a subpar offense. It's true. It was a very subpar so. offense. Uh, yeah. Going off that, seven hours ago, Kyle Pitts tweeted Comparison is the thief of joy. So, man, I don't know. Maybe he's hearing a lot of people compare him to the greats, and he's saying, hey, you know, let me be happy right now. Let me do my thing. Obviously, he knows, he knows he's he's legit, but he's got a little humble side to him. So maybe 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 I like to see it. He's been compared to everybody when he got taken at what pick four or whatever that was. Yeah, he he never had a chance to not be compared to all the, all the greats. It's true, and I got to We got to take back what we said about originally, like on the podcast a couple weeks ago. We may or may not have said that the Falcons probably should have went with someone different, but. They I still did. think they should have went with Justin Fields. Yeah, but, I mean, it's just it, it, he's getting the production that they drafted him at, right? When you, oh, draft someone at, when you draft someone at four overall, like, they have high expectations. So if they don't perform at that level, it's it's automatically a bad pick. So it's just good to see Pitts, like, making that pick look like it's worth it. If we're talking about reversing um, some takes, my Penny Sewell versus Jamar Chase one, my, that one I I can go back against probably, but the Justin Fields and uh, Kyle Pitts, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick on for a couple more weeks. All right, we'll see. All right, next up we have Larry versus Strazik. So this was just a beating from start to finish. Strazik's team just really underperformed. There was nobody who really did anything on his side. Tyreek had 18, Diggs had 19, 
but he started Bolden and McKinnon with a total of 2.7. Then Lattimore's team did what it did. Derrick Henry's just the most dominant player in the NFL this year. When you talk MVPs, you have to put him in conversation. No, oh, hands down. Like, he's – just look at the fantasy points that he's scored. The lowest he scored is nine. Like, if my running back scores nine points, you're like, oh, that, that's good. Like, that's decent. Like, he has – 44-point game, 24, 31, 35, 18, 17. Like, just stupid. Just absolutely stupid. And it does not look like he is slowing down whatsoever. I feel like the man gets better as the temperature drops. As it gets colder outside, he just unleashes. And looking back at his, like, stats in the past, it just proves that the man is just, like, a fine wine. He just gets so good with as the season goes on. All right, we got another beat down to talk about. So, Pick was able to take out Colin pretty easily. A nice, another forty-point win. Pick's whole team looks good. Colin's whole team didn't play well, but a lot of those guys aren't on Colin's team anymore. So, um, anything to take away from this matchup, real quick? Um, I mean, not really. I just like you said, Chris's team is very good. Colin's team is very not good. <laughs> Both teams did exactly what they wanted to do, and then same thing in the Harris. In the Battle of the Andrews, uh, 10-point win by Harris. Both teams did what they wanted to do. LeBouillier wants to make sure his pick is going to be in those bottom four because he ended up trading for it back. And Harris, I think he's trying to win some games now. Yeah, I mean, especially because, like, he he's – I said it. I said it. Like, he trades Devontae Adams, and he's still going to be in it. Like, he may look back at this season and be like, should I have kept Devontae Adams? Like, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He's 3-4 and four right now. I'm three and four, and two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we were not saying those that stats at all. Just crazy. Good for him. I mean, he has the team to do it. He has the depth. He trades it on the Adams, and he still has a pretty filthy wide receiver core. So good for him. Um, he's going to keep it rolling. He's 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 a playoff team. He's going to be a playoff team. Yeah, seven teams going for a playoff. Only six can make it. C.D. Okay. Lamb's the guy for him who uh, burnt the Patriots on that last touchdown, waved over to. Who was that? Jalen Mills, I believe yeah, it was. Jay, Jay Waved Milley. him off. And, uh, yeah, had two touchdowns, nine for 11. So, big game from him. Helped uh, Harris get that win. It was closer than he probably wanted it to be, though. For sure. I think just on um, on Bulls' side, I think it was just cool. He, he called his boy Khalil Herbert out, and he delivered. Oh, 19 yeah. carries, 100 yards, touchdown, caught a couple passes. Like, everyone was, like, excited about Damian Williams coming into that three-down roll. He has a good week. Damian Williams scored like 16 the first week that Montgomery was out. Gets hit with the COVID, misses, and Khalil Herbert just basically said, like, you're not getting your job back, it looks like. Khalil Herbert's averaging almost five yards a carry. He's yeah, had, he, was, he has almost 60 carries and averaging just under five yards. So and he was a uh, sixth-round pick. Yep. Crazy. What's going to happen when Montgomery comes back? I think he's going to take that to Tariq Cohen, change of pace, and I think he's going to run with it. Yeah, I mean – like we've seen these teams do when you have a good running back, it's not worth having them carry the ball 300, 400 times a year and get hurt unless your name is Derrick Henry because the man is just invincible. But So maybe we'll see something different out of the Bears, but who knows? Do you want to talk about the last matchup from week six or you just want to skip over that one? Um, I um, would have beaten seven teams on the week, <laughs> and I faced – um, the number one point getter for I think the third time this season, so I take another loss, which is just brutally unfortunate. Um, Kirk Cousins in 
coming out of the coming out of the bench spot puts up 35 jones 20 henderson 24 like i'm feeling so good i'm feeling so good and then i just see your team just unleashes like you scored 41 points above your projection i basically hit my projection i missed it by two points which is like awesome when you hit your projection and you just absolutely oh obliterated it which just is just so brutal to watch at the beginning of the season i wouldn't have told you week six i would be starting alex collins and daryl williams in my flexes but hey and do what you gotta do kobe myers (laughs) (laughs) so hey you do what you gotta do and Uh, they uh pick up a win for you yeah let's move on all right, let's move on to week seven, get a little bit deeper into these matchups. Even though this is the week that I don't want to talk about, but I'll get I'll get right into my matchup. So I took on Harris's team that was the trade life cycle. Actually, let's talk about the trade first. So in between week six and week seven, there was one trade that happened between myself and Colin. So let's yeah. talk about that let's first and then we can get into it was, this. Um, you acquire, acquire three players in the deal. Mr. Allen Robinson, Mr. Zach Ertz, Mr. Antonio Brown. Um, if this was 2017, I'm like, dude, sick deal. <laughs> These guys are going to win your fantasy championship right now. Unfortunately, it does not look like all of them will contribute to your roster right away. Um, Allen Robinson is basically – people are dropping him in redraft leagues. Like he's just – he's wide receiver 59 on the year. Um, I don't know what to say besides just the Bears are just so bad. They're just so bad. They faced Tampa Bay secondary, who's ranked probably the bottom three in terms of defensive secondary. They The cornerbacks that were playing for the Bucks were the fifth and sixth cornerbacks on their depth chart. And Robinson and Mooney combined for, what, nine points, eight points? Just like you'd think in a game that the Bears are down and losing, and they're facing a soft secondary, that you're actually going to see the Bears air the ball out to their wideouts and score, maybe get some yards, score. No, not at all. The Bears are just not good. I don't know what to think of Allen Robinson at all. So I don't know how to how to appropriately judge this trade. I mean, I think the, your best piece is Antonio Brown, realistically. He's your the best piece that you got in the deal right now, 33-year-old Antonio Brown. Overall wide receiver, 23. He's done well when he's played his last three games, 20 points, 28 points, 10 points. Like, that's awesome. That's what you want to see. He's Tom Brady's, like, number one read, it looks like, when he's out there. Um, but some weeks we know it's going to be Mike Evans and it's going to be Chris Godwin. So so I don't know. He's 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 going to score you points when he scores points, and when he doesn't, it might hurt you. But that's I think that's a risk you can take because right now you're starting Jacoby Myers, who hasn't scored a touchdown in, like, six years. So – I think that's okay, right? And then Zach Ertz, I think he just he elevates his his stock a lot by going from arguably one of the worst offenses, worst teams to just the best team in the NFL right now. He gets thrown into a passing attack that's just awesome. Every guy in the field right now is getting is sharing like twenty seven percent of the targets. Obviously, that hurts DeAndre Hopkins, but he's just scoring points in the red zone. Um, Rondell Moore is getting targeted. Christian Kirk is doing well. AJ Green. So you just add Zach Ertz in there. He's a veteran player. He's going to draw coverage over the middle. He's going to block well. It's great for the Cardinals. And I think it's – I don't know if he's going to be a reliable tight end moving forward. 
last two weeks, 15 points, 11 points, which is awesome. Who knows? I don't know. I really don't know. He's tight end 12 on the year, but the tight end position is just so bad. So he can he he can just hop into that tight end 12 spot because the people around him just stink. So I think you got some good depth pieces, 100%. I really don't know what to make Allen Robinson, though. I really don't. Yeah, Allen Robinson, the biggest thing with him I'm looking at, he's going to be gone next year. I was hoping this year would maybe turn around the second half of the year, but it's just not looking like it. Fields threw three interceptions. Two interceptions or three interceptions, fumbled the ball another couple times. So it was just really, really ugly. Um, yeah, the main piece, like you said, is Antonio Brown. going to slot into my everyday wide receiver, too, until Michael Thomas maybe ever comes alive. So I was offering Colin at the beginning of this year, or only like two or three weeks ago, two firsts. Um, no, I offered him a first and a couple seconds for Allen Robinson himself. So. Oh, Robinson's one of those guys I really like, hoping that next year he can figure it back out because it's not looking like it. Ertz is just going to be a depth piece. I needed a backup tight end because Noah Font is one of those guys that ends up on the injury report every week and scares me. He does. Um, he, he's just a, one of those weird guys. He's a good player, so I'm not, not too worried about that. And then, yeah, as you said, Alan Robinson's going to be more of a future. And then Colin, um, it was always around the first and the third, and then we added Donovan Peoples-Jones and Zach Ertz because he wanted a uh, a little share of DPJ because Donovan Peoples-Jones is everything he wanted Odell to be, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about it. Ode- who, who, who are catching passes over there right now? Odell Beckham, who's 28, and then Jarvis Landry, who's, I don't know, how old is he? Like, oh, Don- DPP, DPJ, he's gonna he's stepping up. Like, last week he ran 80% of routes. I mean, I'm sorry. He was on the field for 80% of snaps, which is awesome. Um, week six, I mean, he scores two touchdowns, which obviously elevates his fantasy stock a ton. Um, he just needs to stay on the field. And guys like Landry and Beckham, they've just proven that they're not the most um, health conscience, health conscientious people. They get injured a lot. They miss time. So I think if he can carve out a nice little role over there, he can be a nice piece for the future. He's 22 years old. So I, I don't I, – I think he's a good – he's the best piece that Colin got. Um Waiting in the reserves, you know, a young tight, young wideout, which is what you want. Your first round pick, you know, it'll be middle to late projection, right? Somewhere in there. So Colin just he did what he had to do. I think he got rid of some age, he got some young wideout, and he got some picks, which is awesome. And I think what Colin did kind of sneakily, or not sneakily, it's kind of noticeable, but we changed from lottery to max points four this year. Getting rid of three guys on your bench, like somebody like Zach Ertz, who will put up more points than whoever his tight end is in a given week. Somebody like Antonio Brown, who just keeps boosting his max points for, and players like that, I think isn't a terrible choice getting rid of those old guys too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get into week into week seven. So I took a, came into week seven thinking I was going to get Antonio Brown from how wide receiver two slot, and that nope. just didn't happen. So, Got hit uh, with the COVID. Yep. Was it COVID for him? It was COVID, yeah. I thought it was his ankle. Okay. Oh, might have been both. I don't know. I think I thought COVID was earlier in the year, but you might be right. Um, so Harris tried it out his normal lineup, and he added Damian Harris instead of Gibson, which I thought was odd, but Harris was going against the worst rush defense in the league and went off for a nice 24 points for him. McLaurin, 21. Godwin, 21. Hopkins, 14. Sutton, 9. So he just had a good week overall up and down the lineup he ended up putting up the second most points so not much i could do and there wasn't much i did anyways the guys last week who did um did some work for me 
like Williams didn't do much for me this week. And then I had to do two just home run swings at my flexes. Julio Jones did nothing and Miles Sanders got injured. So he's going to be out for a couple weeks. So fire up your Kenneth Gainwell and any redraft you can get him, I'd say. Yeah, oh, he's with someone that we definitely miss in the injury, but yeah. week to week with a low end ankle sprain. So uh, I, I, you project this to be 10 to 14 days, so maybe a week, maybe two weeks. Um, it's tough. It's tough because he finally he hit that that snap share that you want to see. He got over 80%. Before that, he was getting 60%, 70%, got over 80 which is awesome, which is you want out of your workout workhorse back week six, and then he exits early, which just sucks. Um, I don't know. He's a guy that people projected him to be phenomenal when he got drafted, his first rookie season. And he just hasn't he hasn't done it yet. It's just it's kind of kind of sad to see um, when players like you want to see them succeed, and they just they just for for one reason or another they just can't figure it out. It just kind of stinks. He started that game off hot too. He had six carries for thirty yards. He was starting to finally get those carries that we were looking for all year. Six carries or more than he had in a couple of the games, which is crazy to say. Yeah. And that was only in the first quarter. But True. good game by Harris. Um, started a lot of the right players. And now he actually has Kenneth Gainwell on his bench. So if he needs any bi-week fillers, um, his three rookies on the bench are looking good. Michael Carter put up 12 points. Javante Williams put up 14. And Gainwell put up 12. So he really has a young team coming forward. At, in this dynasty league for the next couple of years yeah, and, when looking at his bench. And add Gibson to that. Gibson's 23. So, like, just looking yeah. at his bench right now, it's 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 Gibson, Gainwell, Devontae Williams, Michael Carter. You know, that's that's awesome. And, like, Damian Harris, is he's 24. Like, he's entering the prime of his career finally as, like, a workhorse back. So, Harris is – he's got a good team. Like, he always does. He always has a good team. Just never seems to work out right. The cards don't fall in, in Harris's direction, unfortunately. But yeah, we'll also see. has Pittman and Smith on the bench, looking at wide receivers to help him out too. So he's deep everywhere. Yeah. All right. Next matchup I want to go over was Jabers and Larry. So this Ooh. actually came down to the wire. Sneaky, sneaky Jabers. He's knocking on some doors, man. Ninety-one points. Larry escapes by seven. Narrow victory. Narrow. Got a DK Metcalf long ball. Yep. Long ball and uh. Just Mr. Uh, Amon Ra St. Brown puts up a solid zero in Larry's lineup, which was I'm sure was nerve-wracking. But you look across, you look across the aisle, and Mr. AJ Dillon scores. He 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 scores negative points for Jabers' team this week. So kind of crazy how that works out. Um, Brandon Ayuk 1.4. So another another wide receiver that we're adding to Jabers' list of second-year wideouts that have so far just underperformed. Yeah, the Ayuk one's just crazy to me. And Jabers, I get a text message from every week, what are they doing with Ayuk, what are they doing with Ayuk? And I just don't have an answer for him anymore. He's one of those guys that it's sad. The most targets he's got so far this year is six in a game. That's wild compared to what he was doing last year. I know people were out last year, but he had a game with 14. He had a game with 16. He had a game with 13. He had a game with 9. He had a game with 10. It's wild what's going on with Ayuk right now. Yeah, I mean, Jabers has got those good young wideouts. Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore, Gabe Davis, who had a fantastic rookie season. Like, did some things as a rookie that like rookies don't often do. He goes over 
Um, where is it? Where is it? He goes over like 750 yards as a rookie, which is awesome. 21 years old, 22 year old coming into his second season. People think he's going to boom. And then the, the bills just completely turn a different direction. Sign Emmanuel Sanders. Cole Beasley is still highly involved and Gabe Davis, who people thought was going to take a huge leap this year, just hasn't. So that just sucks. Another player that we just haven't talked about. That's just sitting on Javis's bench. That just sucks like he invested in these young guys during his rebuild and it's just sad to see they just haven't they haven't done it thank you emmanuel sanders yep <laughs> mr what's his name mr uh time what's what's bull's nickname for him the time lord or something <laughs> that's robert williams uh, one guy i want to talk about jayers i talk about him every two weeks you know who has the most touchdowns since week 12 of last year yeah marquise marquise brown it's wild. Marquise. He's, he's a wide receiver five this year. Hey. For people who didn't know. I have a question for you. What Like, this this Rashad Bateman guy, he's, like, pretty good, right? That's what I've heard. Yeah, very he's good. pretty good. I know you got him. What do you think happens? Does, does Do you think Bateman kind of starts to take over that one spot? Like, they drafted Bateman, and people automatically projected him as a wide receiver one there and kind of wrote Marquise to the wayside. Um, and Marquise is basically just putting up an absolute fantastic season. Um, like you said, that stat is ridiculous. Most touchdowns since dating back to last year. Like, what do you think happens? Do you think they split? Do you think Marquise is just the guy there and Bateman's the wide receiver too? It's going to be interesting to see. What I think it's going to be – Marquise is going to be the deep ball guy. I think they're going to be two completely different type of receivers. I think Marquise is still going to get his on those deep balls. But Bateman in his first two game, first two career games as a rookie had six targets in both of them which is showing that he already is making some separation and getting open because we know Lamar is not making those tight throws. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for that guy to be wide open, hanging out by himself. Yeah, I mean, like one thing that we can we know in fantasy football is like when you're good, you get targeted, right? If you're not good, you're not going to get targeted. So that's the one stat in fantasy that people rely on to like as an indicator of like how good actually is this player? Like, for running backs, it's like, are you actually on the field, right? Are you playing? For wide receivers, it's like, you can be on the field 100 times, but if they're not throwing you the ball, then how good are you, right? That's Brandon Ayuk right now. Yep. Mar- Marquise Brown, he's getting targeted ridiculous amounts, and so is Brent Bateman, like you said. So it's going to be fun to see their offense kind of change over the next couple weeks. Um, yeah, I believe in I believe in Marquise. I believe in Bateman. I just think, I think the Ravens have a lot of good, great future. Yeah, it should be a good offense. And then going back to Larry's team, this was just bye week hell for him, and he kept saying that he knew that this was going to be tough when you don't have Elliot Hunt, Beasley, well Parker for another week, Jefferson. Like he, he, his whole team was out, so he got to play the double uh, tight end too, just like you. I love to see it. All these teams, all these teams adapting the the watered down version of Waller and Kelsey, <laughs> the Higby, <laughs> the Higby and Ricky Seal J. All right, I want to talk about the biggest matchup of the week: Pap versus Pick. So this was for this this was for a lot right here because coming into this, Pap was the overperformer, Pick was the underperformer. Like Pick's team should have been putting up some bigger wins if you look at his schedule. Pap should have been putting less wins up if you look at his schedule. So it was crazy to come into this one and see Pap put on a beating. He put up the most points of the week. Yeah, I think just phenomenal performance by Pap's team, right? Like what last week Tyson Williams slots him in, gets a zero. This week he turns to Devontae Freeman, Mr. Mr. 29-year-old journeyman. He's been on so many teams now, and he just gets him a solid 
solid scores, you know? Like I think I think I think you personally owe Mr. Mike Dave, Mike Evans an apology. Um because after week one when Mike Evans scored four points, he has erupted this season for 22, 15, 11, 27, 29. He had one week, week six, where he scored four points. Um, and you were ready to ship him off and put him on put him on a boat and just get him out, get him out of Tampa right after week one. And he's just absolutely doing phenomenal this year. Wide receiver seven on the year overall. He's getting way more yardage than I was expecting. If you look at this year versus last year, the yardage is just going way further up than I was ever expecting. But that's just that offense. That offense right now is just slinging the ball around. Yep, and everyone on the Bucks is, is fantasy startable right now, right? Brady, Fournette is a top 10 running back, and all three of their wideouts are just killing it. And when Gronk is back and healthy, I'm sure he'll slot right back into a tight end one role. It's it's crazy. It's just one of those offenses you want all hands on what, deck. What other team have we seen do that? Where literally three wide receivers, their starting tight end, quarterback, and running back are all like top ten. Like that's ridiculous. Old Steelers stuff was yeah. pretty much the only like other Le'Veon time Bell that you really and Juju see and Brown, right? And Juju Brown. Yeah, that's the last one I can think of off the top of my head. But like, they didn't have really. They didn't, yeah. they didn't really have a tight end though. No. Like that's the thing. Like that's what's so crazy about the Bucks. Like all of their fantasy players are stars. Nuts. Yeah, and they're, they're all starters, and they're all non-questionable. If you have them, you're playing them. Yeah, like Fournette is now – he's locked in as a top-10 running back. Like, Ronald Jones is – there's trade talks about him getting shipped out. Bruce Arians is saying, no, we're not going to trade him. But, like, why not a guy like Ronald Jones on, like, I don't know, the Ravens or something? You know what I mean? Like, put him on – I don't know. I just think they, they, they just – they built their team so well that they have young guys that they can get rid of because they're just rolling with the team that they got. Kind of cool. It's one of those fantasy players want so many more trades than the NFL wants because the like for Arians, why not have a backup running back who can be a starter? Exactly. For for no money. He's still on a rookie contract. Why yeah. why would you sell somebody on a rookie contract for no reason then oh our starter's really good? It's like, no, we don't that don't matter for us. Guess what? Fortnite gets injured next week. They're just gonna roll Rojo in and just do the same thing. Yep, and Rojo if if Fournette is not on the Bucks. Rojo becomes what top 15 like you're starting him every week because of the upside of scoring three two goal line yep. touchdowns right like we all know the like the cat's out of the bag like Rojo's not going to catch many passes he kind of sucks at it but the man is a good downhill runner and if Fournette gets hurt Rojo is literally locked in as a top 12 calling it right now top 12 running back to finish the season yep. he's James Robinson at that point yep not going to catch much but he will run you over Good to see from Pap another huge Debo week. So what people don't know about, Debo was a little part of that trade in the offseason. So was. in the Josh Allen trade, he was just like a seemed like a throw-in from an outsider's point of view because Debo last year got injured, so he didn't do much. The year before that, he was all right. It was his rookie year, so last year only had a touchdown. So he was more of just a tossing to this trade, and now he is Pap's locked and loaded flex or his wide receiver – I don't even know. I don't know if any players on this team are wide receivers or running backs at this point. I guess they're Patterson's is running back. They're athletes. Yeah, athletes. Yeah, Gasecki's an athlete. Pitts is an athlete. He does have a lot of athletes on the team. That's kind of crazy to think about. I, I saw a stat that Gasecki and Pitts, as tight ends, they're both running the most snaps as wide receivers. So that's kind of crazy. Like, Debo Samuel, basically, like, he runs the ball out of the backfield. He takes, like, short little end arounds, like, nothing. I mean, Landry and Evans are basically his only two, like, actual position players that – 
play the position because we know Patterson's just he's called himself an athlete. Um, yeah, just crazy to see. And then Jalen Hurts is the best fantasy worst quarterback. I think he has that Blake Bortles tag on him right now. Yeah, he's the only quarterback in fantasy that every single week, so every all seven weeks, he's scored as a QB1, which means he's been a top 12 fantasy scorer, which is kind of crazy because he's not even starting on Pap's roster. Yeah, and he's just – he hasn't looked good, though. That's that's my issue with him is – and he is the complete opposite of Kyler Murray right now. So Kyler Murray, first half of the games, he – or first half of games – He's like quarterback two. Second half, he's quarterback 11. Jalen Hurts is the opposite. He's getting a lot of that garbage time in the second half. It is crazy to see. Yeah, I mean, look at his rushing stats. He's basically um, an RB2 that throws the ball for – he throws the ball like 40 times a game, right? Realistically, he's scored five rushing touchdowns. He's he's, He has no less than seven rushing attempts per game. He's averaging like 50 yards rushing. Like that's easy points easy points when your team is getting blown out and you're the Eagles and you don't really have a lot of good wideouts and tight ends. Like Goddard's good and Dante Smith is good, but like no one's afraid of the Eagles offense. Right. And he's just no, getting, and they're he's not just afraid getting, of Hertz throwing the ball no, more than anything. he's just getting garbage time points, yeah. which is, which is great. Yeah. Um, so Jalen hurts the first 45 minutes of the game. So the first three quarters, he's quarterback 15 on the air. If you just take his last 15 minutes, he's quarterback one. He is pulling the Blake Bortles. He is playing really well when it matters for fantasy, yep. which is awesome to see. But Pep doesn't have to play him because he has Rodgers. And so it's going to be a Rodgers from here on out. Looking over at Pixie, we didn't talk about him much. He has a lot of buys. He had some injuries. But Jamar Chase is the brightest spot on this team. It is awesome to see what he was able to do this week. Yeah. And for people that don't know, like Jamar Chase is basically breaking every rookie wide receiver record in like the history of the history of the history of the history basically like he's just doing ridiculous things like he's on pace to to put up put up not not just like the best rookie wide receiver season but arguably one of the best wide receiver seasons overall like that's just how good he is his yards per catch is ridiculous this year it's wild to see how far downfield he's catching the ball he only has 35 catches this year that's nuts. It's not like he has – he's one of those guys through seven games he has 70 catches. He's averaging five catches a game, but he's averaging 21 yards per catch. That's not – that's crazy. His downfield targets, the whole thing, him and Joe Burrow are going to have that chemistry. They're going to have that chemistry. Yeah, they do. Yep. Yep, they definitely have that chemistry. They were able to put it up. And the records he's breaking are the records that Justin Jefferson broke last year. Yep. Looking back at that offense, it is stupid what Joe Burrow had around him. Yeah, Jefferson and Chase. And then he had Clyde in the backfield, which yeah. I know he's injured right now, but another one of those premier players. So it's yeah, awesome crazy. awesome to see. Real quick, Jamar Chase, 754 receiving yards in his first seven NFL games, most in NFL history. Out of those 754, 687 are against single coverage. Okay, and that's 300 more yards than any other wide receiver in the NFL. So people are just lining up one person on him, thinking that, oh, we can cover the rookie with just one cornerback, and he's just absolutely obliterating, obliterating defenses. Yeah, he can't see the ball, right? He uh, he needs a little stripe on the ball to catch it. That was so dumb. Remember, remember that? 
That was the dumbest thing ever. We were talking about that on a podcast no less than like three months ago. We were because he like led the NFL in drops after like week <laughs> one of week the first month of the preseason. Yeah, the preseason was terrible for him. Hey, last year Deontay Johnson led the league in drops, and so far this year he has zero drops. Really, I didn't know that. Yep, he was he was known. Yeah, he was be, being known as just a drop guy. Want to want to know who else led the league in drops one year? Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams led the league in drops like four or five years ago. It's I saw some. And like, now he's known as just a sure-handed receiver that's going to catch anything near him. Yeah, I saw I saw the thing that some like analysts put up that they did a ton of research into it. Drops are like the least sticky stat ever. Like just because a, a wide receiver drops passes doesn't mean anything. Like you could have twelve drops a game and still be a wide receiver one. Like it th- literally doesn't mean anything. It looks bad. You get benched for it. Your coaches get pissed. But you're you're a rookie. You're Jamar Chase. You you drop a put. Drop a couple balls in preseason, everyone gets scared, and then you break every single wide receiver record. So who cares? And then you decide no longer to run slant routes and just run deep every single play. Yep, just run and go. <laughs> doesn't it doesn't matter the ball is I'll catch it. Wild. All right, we got two more games to go over. So we can go over the uh the bottom feeder game. So we had one and five Labulier going against one and five Colin. One and five Labulier gets the win, one ten to eighty two. You got anything on this one? I mean, Pat Mahomes in the chart, the Chiefs just they just look bad. Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is leading the NFL in interceptions. He's tied with, um, what's his name, Zach Wilson. Like that's not, that's bad. That's not good. I don't know. It, the, the the Patriots and the and the Chiefs have the same record right now. Like it's just kind of awesome as a Patriots fan, but like it's not good for fantasy. Like Collins' team, like you talked about point max points four. Like this is great for Colin, right? Don't score a lot of points, Patrick Mahomes. Help me lose, but it's just not good. They're, they'll turn it around eventually, I think, but not good. You would have to imagine they're going to turn around. Yeah, he's thrown an interception every game but one this year. There was The first game of the season, he threw for three touchdowns, ran for one. Everybody's like, yeah, he's Mahomes. And then every other game so far, he's thrown an interception. Yeah, and I think one thing that was interesting, like, he got benched at the end of that game. Like, he got hit, and supposedly he was evaluated for a concussion, but it came out afterward. The medical staff completely cleared him saying he didn't have a concussion and it was a coach's decision and that speaks volumes like that's that's not something that people talk about a lot yeah i took it more just protecting the quarterback it was 20 it was 27 to 3 i know but we've seen the the chiefs score 24 points in a span of 5 minutes before right yeah, they, they called it, they called it quits pretty early yeah they yeah they threw in the towel they were they were ready to go sit is, that one which out. Which is something we've never seen before. The Chiefs, just because they're down three scores, doesn't mean anything. It's kind of On the other side, Stafford's having a very, very, very good year. He's doing everything that the Rams wanted Goff to do the last couple of years. He's just slinging and being so accurate. He's looking real good this year. Yep. QB6 overall, and he's just – Cooper Cup is just phenomenal. Yeah, Cooper Cup. Chris's team, when it gets to the playoffs, is going to have Cup, Adams, Jamar Chase. Get ready for that. Wild. Um, yeah, and going up and down this, Boulier gets Elijah Mitchell and Khalil Herbert both to score um, over 15 points, which is awesome to see. Two of his rookies. So, future's bright with Mitchell there. Um, one of those that I still cry about sometimes at night. But Calvin Ridley still hasn't picked it up. I'm not sure what to think about him anymore. He scored a touchdown. He didn't score a touchdown, but he only had four catches for 26 yards. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, in a game like that, it's it's just surprising that he only can 
muster up four catches on 10 targets while Kyle Pitts is on the other side going crazy. Yeah, he's wide receiver 41 on the year per sleeper. So, yeah. crazy. Um, and then going back to Collins' team, Dearance Johnson needs to get off of Collins' team, off his lineup, because he's starting his max points for real bad right now. He's about to put up maybe another week. I'm not sure if Nick Chubb's going to be fully ready this week. They're still kind of up in the air on that. Yeah, I think I'm not too worried about Dearness Johnson. I think he'll <laughs> he'll score maybe 15 points against the Steelers, and then he'll be worthless again in two weeks once Chubb and Hunter back. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all. Uh, AJ Brown, he's first, back. His first comeback game, so. He was back on 79% snaps. He only played 62% snaps this game. They got up big early and kind of uh, kind of like let go of the throttle. So I think that's what we're going to be seeing from him, somewhere between the 60 to the 80. And I don't think we're going to see any 100% snaps till that week 10 mark that they were talking about earlier this year. Yeah, I think that's fine. The Titans are getting it done. Their defense is, is doing better than expected. Their offense is just riding Derrick Henry, so... Yeah, he's looking good. All right, you can talk about the last matchup if you want, or you can just skip over it again. Um, <laughs> this, I don't know. I just I'm three and four. Um, what what was that little stat that you that you you told me? No other team in. Uh, uh, the you want to talk some schedule comparisons? Yeah, hit me with this one. All right, so. There is not a single team in our league that would have a winning record with Texas schedule. So I sent that to him to make him feel better today because I know he was a little sad waking up this morning, waking up three and four. But every a lot of the top teams would be three and four. So myself, Harris, Larry. Um, yeah, we're all actually three and four. All the playoff teams are three and four. Half, then you have Labouli are two and five. And then there's two teams that would be 0 and seven. So. Both Colin and Jabers would be 0 7 with the record. You have Labulier would be 2 and 5, then everybody else is 3 and 4, which is crazy to see. Yeah, and this was the first week that, like, it, I, it really hurt. Like, I scored 75. I, I was the low. I was the low scorer. I was literally the bottom feeder. Um, I knew it was going to be rough because, of course, of course, the week where Russ is out, Kirk Cousins also has a bye week, and I could have made a move for a quarterback, but honestly, I was like. I didn't. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to add move a, a pick. I, I was talking to like two different, three different people about adding a quarterback, and it came down to adding like the QB like twenty five. I was like, I'm not. I'm not going to send a future second round pick or a third round pick for the twenty fifth ranked quarterback where Geno Smith might score ten points less. Like I'm like, I'll just eat those ten points, and it'll. I'll probably squeak out. Just looking at the like the matchup, I just wasn't afraid of Mike Davis and Nicole Hardman and Van Jefferson, and Alan Lazard, and more. some of these guys were on the waivers three weeks ago, and Drazy throws them in, and of course they just make me eat my words, and I just I take the L. Mo Ali Cox scores ten points in the TD, Van Jefferson scores a TD, Lazard scores a TD, like it just Kamara just picked up the rest of those points and just said it's okay, boys. We're getting the dub, and I just, you know, Shrays, I underestimated you, and you just, yeah, you guys both put up pretty, pretty low points when you're looking at uh, averages. But we always talk about Shrazek not having the bench, but his three bench guys this week came in clutch. Mo Ali with a touchdown, like you said, Van Jefferson with a touchdown, Lazard with a touchdown. Um, yeah, your biggest thing was Lockett doing nothing. Jacobs put up 14 points, but he got injured. He should have put up more, and then. 
Aaron Jones, what's what's up with him? He either puts up a hundred points or he puts up nothing. I don't know. The he starts off the year with three points, then he scores forty, scores seventeen, nine, thirteen, twenty-six. Like on a points per game basis, he's wide receiver. Uh, he's running back seven because of that forty-point game obviously spread that out. He's still doing great from a points per game but i don't know in a week that you expect him to just blow up washington's run defense hasn't been as great um he was projected 19 which is crazy just crazy and he just completely underperforms that um the packers just look like they don't want to pound him into the ground you know they know they can win by playing good football by being conservative throwing the ball around and they just, you know, they're just not letting Jones feast, which is, which is sad. Um, and the, the interesting stat besides the week that Darrell Henderson missed for being an injury, this is the first week that he didn't post top 20 running back numbers against the league's worst run defense, which makes zero sense. Yeah. He was somebody that a lot of DFS players were real mad about because I saw all the stats about him, uh, him against Detroit. Everybody's put up at least 20 points. Everybody's put up 20 points and yeah, he did he didn't really do it. The offense ran that. They also didn't touch the ball much in that first quarter. I don't know if you weird. got to see any of that game, but Detroit got out, scored a touchdown, onside kicked. They got the onside recovery. They had a three and out. Nope, we fake punted, got a first down. Another time later on the game, we fake punted, got another first down. They were just trying to win that game any way they could, and they got pretty close to it too. Yeah, I mean the the Rams kind of got their special teams got exposed a little bit and. <laughs> Rams are significant, like they're just significantly better. So obviously they they win in the end just because their guys like Cooper Cup and their passing offense did great. And Henderson still had like 60 total yards, which is good to see, but it just should have been an absolute monster game. And those Lions, they just snuck out some tricky plays. You know, they're what are they? They own six, own seven. So they have to get creative when they're going up against those juggernauts. Yeah, and then in this matchup, I think the biggest thing that kept both of your scores down was what we were talking about earlier, that Chiefs. When you have Tyreek, Miko, and Travis Kelsey, those are the three top pass catchers there yeah. in that game. And with a total – with not too many yards going around and with Mahomes getting taken out of the game late, you saw all three of their numbers being pretty low yeah, compared they, to what they usually are. Those three guys combined for 21 points, so that's yeah. pretty crazy because on any given week – Hill and Kelsey can double that, triple that. Um, kind of interesting. Like Kelsey was targeted twelve times, which was m- more than Hill, more than Hardman, and it just like he only caught seven passes. A lot of throws from Mahomes just weren't, just didn't look good. Like just didn't look like he had it. I don't know. They just they're not connecting. The offense looks a little bit shaky. Mahomes looks a little lost. He scrambles around. It just. It just looks chaotic. They just don't look like the offensive juggernaut that um, we expected them to be. So it hurts for sure watching them. Um, kind of interesting when you look. I just found this stat, which I think is kind of funny. When you look at Leonard Fournette, when in seasons where it's an odd number, he's a top ten running back. In even numbered <laughs> years, he's like a, like a forty run, like a top forty. Like 2017, running back nine. 2019. Running back seven, 2021. Currently, he's he's running back ten. And then you look at 2018, 2020. He was running back 40 and 35. And that's points per game. I mean, that's total points. So that's just kind of funny. Um, 
you know, maybe he'll he'll continue this year. He'll be a top ten running back, and then next year he'll suck, and then I'll just fire him back up for 2022. Yeah, it sounds like you need to uh, trade him in the offseason, talk about his big year when he gets that little contract, trade him away, and then, oh, uh, yeah, halfway through the season, grab him cheap, put him on the bench, and <laughs> replenish. I think Save that's going to be the game plan. Save him for 2023, I mean. Yeah, yeah exactly. See? Wow. big there. Yeah, he's scored 15, 20, 28, and 16 in his last four games. And it doesn't look like he's given the ball away to, to Rojo anytime soon. No, yeah, that offense. And uh, people who took Keyshawn Vaughn last year are uh, still kicking themselves for that one. Woof. I know I took him in the first round in a startup, so that wasn't too – or, yeah, rookie draft. Not too great. All right. All right, let's move on to week eight. So we didn't have any trades between seven and eight. Um, I think – there are seven teams going for it, three teams out, and those three teams out are pretty content with what they got. So it's going to be interesting to see if there's going to be any more big trades go down. There's not too many first-round picks left between those top seven teams. I know Harris still has his, Strzok still has his, but other than that, I believe that those uh, bottom three teams already have all the picks. So it's going to be – I'm not sure if there's going to be too many more moving pieces going around this year. Yeah, I mean, just looking – at who's playing who, I think the biggest matchups are Larry and Pep, right? Battle of Deborah Jane Court. <laughs> Neither of them are Deborah Jane, but yeah, this is big because whoever wins this has the front row to that $100 back. So coming in first place in this league, you get your $100 back, and then you're just playing the playoffs with free money. That's what happened with Colin last year. Um, he made the big trade right at the deadline to make sure he could get that $100. So it's going to be this. That's a huge matchup there. Huge. Like these two guys are alone at the top and the rest of the league right now is putting away at three and four and four and three. So this is big for them. This is absolutely huge for them. Um, talk, looking at that matchup. I mean, let's see if their, their rosters are updated. Yeah. It looks like they're updated. They're ready to go. So, I mean, every guy on here is, is looking good except for, I mean, it's, I mean, uh, sorry, Larry still has Ricky Seals Jones at that at that flex spot. So hopefully, hopefully that's not going to be a thing. Hopefully he puts someone in like McKissick or Gage. Um, Would you rather have those guys in there than Ricky Seals Jones? Yes. I don't know, dude. What has McKissick done? What has Gage done to give you any real thinking that they're going to be better? I, I, I just, I just don't think Larry has a guy to put here. Hunter Renfro's on by, so we can't hype him up. Um, what? You know what I'm saying? Know. What if I don't? I so, don't think he has a guy to play here. All right, all right, all right. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. So, the Giants, like Sterling Shepard, he was going to my lineup this week to reclaim that spot. And he hits the injury report. Galladay, who knows what the hell's going on? You know they have Tony. So oh, why not? Tony Darius Slayton. Why oh. not? Why not? Oh. They're going up against Kansas City. They're going to be down. They're going to throw the ball. Maybe why not? Maybe he scores some garbage time points. Uh, I think that's a better option than than Ricky Seals Jones against Denver, who is actually top five against the tight end position. If you didn't know their defense. All right, maybe, or maybe he goes back to Amon Ra. After the big, I don't know. I'm on Sam Brown. Rah. I think that's going to be the biggest matchup here because if you look down, you have Brady and Hertz. That's pretty much a wash. Elliot and Patterson. I don't want to say it's a wash, but it is. It is. Henry's better than Robinson. <coughs> Metcalf and Evans are. Evans is better than Metcalf right now, even though Metcalf's going against Jacksonville. No Jefferson touch. and Mike Williams. I have Jefferson. 
But then the flexes you have to give to Pep on all three flexes. 100%. So it's going to be, it's going to really come down to can Larry get a touchdown out of one of these two flex spots? Because Beasley put up the big week in his last game right before the bye. But before that, he was dropped in a lot of redraft leagues, getting under 50% snap share. So it's see what they're going to be thinking about when they come out of that bye. For sure. And right now, Pep's got Gasecki in that flex spot, but. I don't, I don't. I wouldn't hate it if he threw like a guy like Marvin Jones in there, or or like Landry. You know, just he has pieces on the bench, which is he has some depth, which is good, which is what you like to see. I personally think Gasecki, after the last two weeks, is the guy to go with. He has been targeted seven, eight, nine the last three. Actually, going back to the last like five weeks, twelve, six, seven, nine, eight. He's yeah. getting the target, so he might be. He's more of a full support of the offense than I was thinking. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be definitely the matchup of the week, though. Right now, they're projected within two points. I think there'll be a little bit of moving and shaking. Um, maybe Hertz comes out for Rodgers. Maybe Barrow goes in for Brady. I know that these two have the most fun quarterback conversations week in and week out. Absolutely. Next on the list has got to be um, Harris versus Strazik. Can you oh, yeah. Him? Can we talk about Astros, Astros versus Braves? Is this, is this what this is about? The Georgia <laughs> oh, boy? yeah. Yep. That was the only week seven change we've had so far is uh, Harris changing his name to Go Astos. I think that was his, <laughs> first, that was his first team name. And I, I had to put in the chat, I'm like, am I missing something? Is this like a, like a double jab at Strasic and I'm missing something? And then uh, he no. put Go Astros and blamed it on his treadmill. He's just stupid. <laughs> he just doesn't know how to spell. But, yeah, he's, uh, he has to give some jabs out. That's uh, Harris's way of winning fantasy is to go through the mind game. So he's trying for it. Yeah, I think this is going to ride on um, his Ravens being on bye. Like, that stinks. He's missing Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. So he's throwing in Sammy Darnold and Evan Ingram into that lineup. So I think that might be, you know, if if we take one thing away from what happened last week against me versus Strazek, you know, your, your quarterback spot is important. And... <laughs> It's tough when you lose those points. Um, Sam Donald, hopefully he can continue what he's been doing. Right now he's a no, 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 no. I just Sam Donald last oh, three weeks has oh, been terrible. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He's been terrible. I said Sam Donald, but I was thinking about a different white quarterback. My bad. He was bad. <laughs> no, he got I was gonna say, So Sam Donald the last three weeks has been terrible. The four weeks before that he was awesome because he was rushing. He had five rushing touchdowns in the first four weeks. Last three weeks. No rushing touchdowns and five interceptions. Whoa. He is struggling hard lately, and it's really hurting my DJ more. That's the only reason I know that he's struggling as bad much as he is. That's true. I, I totally goofed on that one. Yeah, he's been bad. Don't start Sam Darnold. Yeah, it's either going to be Sam Darnold or he might see Mac Jones in the line. Why not? Go Mackie Poo. Yeah. And then when you're looking down this uh, matchup, Tannehill hasn't been the best either this year, but he's starting to get his players healthy. They just don't want to throw the ball. They just want to run the ball every play, so he's not getting those those big points he was getting last year. His high right now is 27. That's not what Trizic was seeing from him last year, but he has to keep rolling him out there because once is not where it's at. Nope. Um, looking at Trizic's team right now, he's got Mike Davis still in the lineup. Um, he's got Tyler Conklin rolling at tight end, and he's going with, with both Chiefs. He's going Hardman and Hill, which I think is – Jesus has got to do that, unfortunately, with um, with the players that who who are missing time. You know, like maybe he goes back to Van Jefferson, but Kittle out, Lazard out, Fuller still out. So, 
obviously McCaffrey. So Strazik's digging deep again. So we'll see if his see if his flex spots can keep him up. Yeah, Lazard was definitely in that lineup um, a couple hours ago before Adams because he probably first got that. Adams is out. Yes, I get to throw Lazard in there on that Thursday night game. That'll be awesome. And then, uh, then no Lazard, so that hurts. So if anybody wants Randall Cobb, come let me know. Come get it. Come get your boy. And then on the other side, it's crazy to see Mike Davis and Antonio Gibson projected within a point of each other because that's not real. <laughs> yeah, the tight end matchup is going to be one of those interesting ones because both tight ends are not good. They're both just hoping for a touchdown, so whichever one of those two can get a touchdown might be the biggest difference maker here. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All right, that's all I got on this one. Let's go. Um, the, the, these next ones are kind of interesting. We got Pick versus Bulls. Pick should win. He should be, get to 5-3. and three. Remy, you should beat Colin. You should get to 5-3, and three, and I should I should beat Jabers, and I should get to 4-4. Four and four. So, I mean, that's that's what should happen, I think. Bulls, Colin, Jabers, they all want to lose, and us three want to win. So let's yeah. do it. Let's make it happen. Yeah, let's make this an easy week for please, all Please, Jabers, that, please. That sounds good to me. Jabers is only projected 93 points as of right now. Yeah, I have a 90, that's, that's kind of sad. 95% victory right now, which obviously sleeper projections mean nothing, but <laughs> it, it just makes me feel a little bit better about losing the last three games, knowing that I'm up 95% already on Jabers. All right. Um, yeah, that's the end of the week. What is that? Week eight update. So now I'm going to give the updated playoff odds. So this is based on that FF hub that I love to look at. Once again, thanks Jabers and all of your Reddit searches. So this odds are calculated from history of each team scores this year. It does not take projections or buys uses data run 10,000 simulations of each matchup given a team's average score and standard deviation. So they take that, they look at your whole year and they, Give you some playoff odds. So right now, Larry has a 99.9% chance of making the playoffs. Pick has a 99.1. The new Mark Harris. Pap has a 97.8. Go Astros, which is Harris, has a 90.77. So that has come up very fast in the last couple of weeks. Well, his team's starting to perform. Myself has an 89.2. Tex, you're in sixth. So right now they have you as a sixth seed. At 76.1, and Strezik's up to a 44 point, or he's at a 45. He's at a 44.95. So Strezik last week was at a 28. He had that big win, and now he's pretty much 50-50 to go make that playoff. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. I remember two weeks ago, three weeks ago when you said this, I was in that, like, 98% playoff spot, and I lost three straight and dropped down to, like, 77. So it's crazy. Like, these numbers – in the moment, it feels good, but how quick things can change. So it's it's never comfortable when you're at the top when you can only go down. All right, let's get into power rankings and get out of here. Unless you have any uh, trade ideas for other people because we already uh, gave out one two weeks ago and it happened. I don't know. I think I think we're seeing these teams kind of to shape into where they're at. I think if maybe we'll get some magic for the trade deadline, but I think guys like We've only talked about Larry's flex spot for so long. I think he's content with where he's at. I mean, I think teams are – I know Strazik's been out making offers to different people, but, you know, when you're when you're making offers to other competitors, it's tough to get a deal done. You know, if you're trying to get guys off their flex spots, off their bench that are going to contribute, it's, it's tough to do when you're competing with them on a week-to-week basis. So 
we'll see what happens. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, let's get into power rankings. Uh, 10, 9, and 8 are going to be pretty much the same. You got the Abers, Colin, Bulls, and whatever order you want them. I'm not sure which way you have them. Yeah, skip, skip, skip. All right, so 7, I still have Strazik myself. I just don't think that – I think with McCaffrey out, I think with Kittle out, and I think without that bench, I know he did pick up the win this week that it's going to be tough um, for him to really move around right now. Yeah, and that's first. That's perfectly in line with what um, the FF Hub with their analytics, with their power ranking score, Strazik is in seventh. Interesting. Yeah, I think that there's a couple teams next coming up after Strazik that are all tight. So I personally had yourself at six coming off of those three losses and putting up the least points this past week. Yeah, I deserve to be there. <laughs> it's true. I do. So are we changing the team name? What's going on? What's the plan? Yeah, I haven't decided yet. I actually thought about it because um, Waller's on by this week. He missed last week with the ankle injury. Um, I'm not sure. I don't want to mess with, with the juju, but the juju's pretty bad right now, so I might need to shake it up. We'll I say the, ju- the juju's gone. I know. Ju- juju's gone just like real juju in real life. <laughs> yeah, so I had you at uh, you at six, and then I had myself at five. Yeah, we're both in the barrel right now. <laughs> yeah, both coming off some bad weeks. I beat you two weeks ago, so I gave myself the jump up two weeks ago and then the jump down this week. So hopefully we can get some easy wins and these people ahead of us can uh, take some losses. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Me, like Strazik, me, you, just in terms of who we've beaten, beating each other, points for, all that jazz. But yep. next, I have Harris. Yeah, Harris is taking that big jump for me. I kept, I've been saying every single week, I'm like, he can still make the playoffs. He still has... He still has a top two roster in my mind. He his roster has never been poor. He's just got some bad luck, and uh, I think it's all going to start coming to head, and we're going to be seeing a scary team coming down the stretch. For sure, like I said, like I said, he's he's facing a pretty good matchups, pretty good schedule right now. Um, he's gonna he's gonna keep bouncing up. I think he may look back. Like obviously he got Terry McLaurin, but he might be like, damn, Devontae Adams could have won a championship with Devontae Adams this year. Yeah, I think I think he will be seeing that. The person that I'm kind of nervous for in his team is DeAndre Hopkins. Same. Not looking good. The man so, has not gone over, what, 90 yards? He's sharing targets with four other receivers right now. There's so many mouths to feed in that offense, but he's getting the touchdowns. When they get into the red zone, it is all him all the time. He puts up the 14 points, the 19, the 17, the last three weeks, but that's on nine targets, four targets, nine targets. Um. 87 is the max yards. He's just not looking – he's not the only read anymore. When he was yeah. in Houston, he was the only read. Last year, he was the only read because Kirk was still young. Larry Fitz was old. It was just like there wasn't – the offense wasn't dynamic last year. They didn't really know what's going on. This year, the offense is just – we're going to win games. So, if I need to toss it to Chase Edmonds down low, if I need to do an end around with Rondell Moore, if I need to run up the middle with Connor, they don't care how they're scoring. So, no. it's – it's tough for Hopkins. Yeah, and something like we've we've talked about before, but you don't chase efficiency in fantasy. Like touchdowns are highly volatile. Some week you get them, some week you don't. It's tough to rely on a guy who's highly touchdown dependent right now. Unfortunately, Hopkins has become a touchdown dependent wide receiver too. But the fortunate part is he's getting touchdowns. Yes. He has two one and then zero zero one two one. So he's getting the touchdown, so he's putting up those double digit points every week, but if they if they start lagging out, him being twenty nine might have been uh, to move him a couple weeks ago. Did we just sink DeAndre Hopkins's trade value in the DDL single handedly on this podcast? 
Um, <laughs> I was trying to trade for him a couple weeks ago, but, Me too, but as I, you can I see, he's still on Harris's team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was hearing the same thing from Harris week in and week out. Yeah, wait a week, wait a week, wait a week. And then I finally made the trade with Colin. And then he texted me. It's like, hey, are we not making a move? I'm like, I can't, I can't wait till the end of the season. It just <laughs> doesn't, it's not how it works. Yeah. All right. At number three, I have Pap at the highest position I've ever had him. Do you have my two or do you have my three? I have him at three. Okay, okay. So me and you I are do. the same. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're looking he, at the same. He deserves, he deserves to be here. I hate I hate it, but you can't put up the most points. He he's been lackluster, lackluster, lackluster the last pretty much all season. Yeah. But he did it this week. He finally his team put it all together. Yep, I just have to say he has faced the least amount of points. <laughs> he's he's faced six hundred and seventy six points. Um for comparison, I have faced nine hundred and eighteen. So almost two hundred and fifty points more. Then Pep, um, don't don't speak too soon, Larry, because you have faced the second to least points with <laughs> seven hundred and five. So it's interesting that both guys who are six and one um, have faced the least amount of points. Just going to again to showing you, uh, it really doesn't matter on a week to week basis who you face because if if you get a lucky schedule, you're going to be number one and number two, which we've seen in the past. Yeah, the. Worst schedule is who I have at number two. So Chris against the median this year. Woof. He is three and six, eight and one, eight and one, eight and one, seven and two, eight and one, seven and two. The man is just putting up week after week. He is the top two scorer. The first week he came out weak, and then so against the median this year, he is six and one, which is awesome to see on his end. He is in first against the uh, median this year. Yeah, and like I haven't updated the median overall, the the standings. I've been a little little busy on my end, but yeah, I mean, the fans, the FF Hub, this website kind of breaks it down on a week to week basis, which is awesome. It's just crazy to see him at four and three when, when you 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 flip a coin and you get a couple good bounces and he's easily six and one, like easily. And a guy like Pap is three and four. You know, just luck of the draw, man. Yeah, if you want a quick median rundown, I have it here. Oh, so give me it. we have Pick at six and one. We have Larry at four and three. Also good. Harris, you would think that he started off slow. He really didn't. He's six and one. That's just against, that's, that's against the median all year. Yep, against the median all year. Yep. He is six and one. Yourself, you would be what's this? One, two, three. You would be four and three. Which is also good. Myself, I would be four and three, but you, both you and I, have just some stinker weeks where we yeah. didn't have a chance. Yeah. The new bad. Mark Harris is Pep. So Pep, the first three weeks got wins. We all know that he started off three and zero. Oh. All three of those he would have lost. The last four weeks since he started making those um, big trades, he's three and one. So on the year he is three and four, but in the last four weeks he is three and one, which is um, good to see. Those trades are actually coming and doing something for him. Yeah, absolutely. Strazik is four and three. You have Laboulier at three and four. Do you want to know what Collins' record is? <laughs> oh and seven. Oh and seven. Yeah. He's the only one to not put up a uh, top five week. And then Jabers has one top five week, but also has four. Four out of the seven weeks, he has put up the least amount of points. Which is what he wants. Yep, he's he's looking for the max, but the problem is he has a decent bench. 
this max this max points four is closer than um he wants it to be but Colin's making some moves to try to get there. Colin wants that number one pick, and he Colin's only fifty points behind Jabers, and Strazik's only thirty points behind. So right now it goes Jabers, Strazik, Colin, Labulia. Wild. So Strazik can make a decision. I've been saying this. He can make a decision. Trade a Stefan Diggs and older receivers. Trade a Tyree Kill and over receiver. Get those picks. And get the number one pick because he could very easily, with his weak bench, get the number one pick next year. Yeah, it helps miss when you have McCaffrey missing seven weeks of the season to get rid yep. of points. Yep, exactly. All right. All right, round us off the top. Who you got? Two and one. All right, I got Pick at two and Larry at one. So Pick, as we were just saying, very good against the spread. Very good against the median, but he's four and three. The other guy's six and one. I can't can't take Larry off the top spot. Wouldn't yeah. another week. And I mean, the only reason why I think we have pick above above um, Pap is just because of the strength of schedule and picks teams. Just those wideouts are just a little bit scarier than Paps, um, right? I mean, we agree with that. Oh yeah, I just think that his team in general is scarier when healthy. Like I don't know what to do with Saquon Barkley. I don't know if I should be even thinking of him as a player, but Josh Allen top top one, top two quarterback. Najee Harris is proving me wrong week in and week out. Cup's the number one receiver. Jamar Chase is the other number one receiver. He just has depth coming up and down and all throughout. And having those injuries, he's still able to plug and play players week in and week out, which is awesome to see from him. Yep, so true. And then Larry at number one, that starting lineup minus the flex is amazing. It's young. It's going to be able to put it together for the next couple of years, being able to have Elliot Henry, Metcalf, Jefferson. It's awesome to see. For sure. I agree. I agree. The only other fun thing I wanted to talk about before we got off was the Deshaun Watson news today. Yeah. So it's just, it makes no sense what's going on with him. There's been nothing legal come out, nothing. So Houston Chronicle reported today that the Dolphins and Texans have agreed on a term. So they have agreed on a trade both ways. But the Dolphins want his legal issues res- resolved before finalizing the deal. But, like, is that going to happen? We haven't heard anything. It doesn't seem – we haven't heard an update. Not like, oh, we're looking for this date or this is what we're thinking. There's been nothing. So, Chris has Watson on his bench still. He has so many quarterbacks that they're coming out of his ears at this point. It's He has Lance. He has Garoppolo. He has Mayfield. He has Allen. And he has Watson, I believe. Yeah, I mean, is this, like, no news is good news for... I don't think so. Like... I I think that there's a little hush-hush deal under the table between Goodell and the Texans saying, if you don't play him, we won't suspend him, and then you guys can do whatever you need to do. But the second you trade him or the second something happens, we are going to suspend him and we're going to just drop the kitchen sink. So if we don't want bad publicity, we don't want people talking about this anymore, so you guys just hold them out and we won't do anything. The second you try to do something, we'll bring it up. That's the only thing that makes sense. I guess. I mean, we haven't heard anything. Like, we haven't heard anything from the legal team. We haven't heard anything from the the prosecutor's side. It's just like, I don't know anything about how the legal system works, but it's just, I don't know, it's weird. It's too hush-hush for me. There's there's too little talk going on. Yeah. I mean, what happens if he gets moved to, to Miami? What like Just think about the chaos. They suspend him. The second that trade goes through, he gets suspended for the year. 
Ugh. or for for like eight games. Oh well, it's eight games from right now, because he's technically he's still getting paid. He's still getting his contract, and he's still getting paid, which is awesome for him. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? This is it's gonna be interesting these next few weeks. Yeah, and to see if there's gonna be a third team because that was the thing that they were talking about last week that wash the Washington football team was gonna be the third team looking to hop into this trade and try to get they were gonna get Tua. The Dolphins were gonna get Watson and then the Texans were just gonna get even more first round picks. So Yeah, when that news dropped, I was like like it was like a rumor, like a tweet, like someone leaked a tweet about trade negotiations and then it like went through and everyone got excited and then like it was like no it was fake but it's still potentially true because there are still trade rumors so people i don't know it was crazy yeah watson's base salary next year is 35 million dollars holy his cap hit is 40 million dollars next year so he's still under contract so even if he sits out this year guess what next year they're gonna have to pay him that money so that's gonna be one of those things to watch throughout these next couple of weeks before the deadline, so I think, what do we have, two, three weeks before the deadline, and then all throughout the offseason will be fun yeah, to see. I just saw this. Roger Goodell told reporters in New York at league meetings that the NFL lacks information and the clarity on Deshaun Watson's legal situation to make a decision on the commissioner's exempt list. Exactly. So they don't suspend him. He still keeps getting paid. Nobody talks about it. Just keep it under the table. Nobody will talk about it. Nobody will bring it up. Weird. He, he has enough stuff to figure out with the whole Washington football team and all those, um, yeah, all those emails and just hey, we're just gonna retire Sean uh, Sean Taylor's number. <laughs> it's okay. Moral of the story is delete your emails, folks. Yes, delete your emails. Del- go through your old tweets. Type some words Facebook, in that you everything. shouldn't be saying, and make sure that you aren't the one to say them. Ugh, it's bad <laughs> out here. All right, boys. I will talk to you all next week, and uh, hopefully see some of you. Uh, Out for Halloween. Have a good one. All right. See you, boys. Peace.